Welcome to Opinion Havers, a movie podcast for Ben Affleck's exes. I'm Cody. And I'm Tyler. Tyler, what did we watch? Cody, we watched, we, we experienced Cody, Cody, we watched the impossible movie, the movie that would never come out, movie that got delayed for like 10 years. No Time to Die. James Bond, No Time to Die, 007, Bond, James Bond, No Time to Die, 007. We did. It took, oh, it took a while. Oh, you do you know how many Bond movies I watched to get ready for this movie to come out, only to have this movie be delayed for like 18 months or two years or something? 24. You were there. You were there, yes. Yeah. 24. 24 James Bond movies. 24 of the 26 available. The 24, the real ones. All right? It's a, yeah. it's a point of contention. All right? Sean Connery, you don't count. All right? That other one you did, it doesn't count because I didn't see it. And that's the only reason why. All right? Casino Royale, I can't do it. All right? I can't watch a bad 60s. There's too many bad Bond movies in the 60s for me to also go through and watch a non-canonical Bond comedy. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know Thank what you're you. saying. Yes. So, I'm just going to pat myself on the back. Here I go. I did it. All the Bond movies, I watched them. We did it. You did it. You were there. I was there. We did it. No more Bond movies will ever come out. It's the end of Bond. Oh, don't say that. No. There's no time to die. Say that. No, it can never end. That's what you don't understand. Daniel Craig, we have made his clone. We have replicated his likeness, and he will do movies for us forever. Yeah. Tyler, do you want to tell the people what this movie's about? It's about James Bond and uh, Spectre. Hmm. And Freddie Mercury. And their hijinks together as a team, as a, as a, <clears throat> as a, tri- as a. Oh, I was gonna say as a triad, but that's a separate group. They're not in this movie. <laughs> as a dyad plus one. <laughs> right. I mean. Uh, yeah. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. You nailed that's it. That's what it is. Is James Bond doing stuff? Uh, blowing things up. James Bond 007 out there doing stuff. Tyler, it's been a long time. Right? Yeah. It's been a long time since we've seen a Bond movie. Speak for yourself. Because we I'll almost killed Daniel Craig every time. And we made it here. They shot it. It's been released. Let me tell you. Can I just ask? How'd it go for you? Give me your just your first impression. I I liked it as much as I know you hated it, Cody. I know you this is your least favorite Bond movie. You're like, bring back Sean Connery and Roger Moore. These <laughs> this guy doesn't know what he's doing. But um, as you know, Cody, I I was recently faced with a choice, a hard choice, a decision, a crossroads of my life, all right? Where I purchased two, a new soundboard. Two paths diverged in yeah. a yellow wood. And I purchased this soundbar, 
All right, I did. The sound bar I asked you about, I purchased it. Fun fact for everybody, I got it for half of the price it normally is. It's normally $1,000, got it for 500 I feel like a winner, okay? It's surround sound. And here's the thing, Cody, you're out here, you got the 7.1 surround sound, but you can't set it up, Cody. You can't experience it mm. because you're a coward, all right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I got it. I got it all set up, and I experienced it. This movie, not really mixed that well for surround sound, I don't think, because I didn't hear a lot of stuff behind me. But it still oh. sounded good. <laughs> It still sounded really good. So this is going to be your big surround sound debut. It was not the one, though. It was not wow. the one. Um, What's a good surround sound movie? 1917 is the one I go to show off the TV. Oh, yeah. And I know it's got good sound mixing, so that might be one I check out. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you ever got, if you, all you other people out there with the OLED TVs, you want to show it off, I recommend 1917, the, uh, the ruins with the flares. Oh, it's perfect. It's the best scene to show off the TV. Make everybody else jealous. Everyone else like Cody. So, did you like the movie or did you just like your soundbar? I liked the movie. Yeah, no, I did. I liked the movie. I would have liked it more had I heard things behind me more. Right, right. What if the whole movie was just the audio was behind you instead of? I mean, that's that's what I was. All the dialogue was behind you. It was like Daniel Craig whispering in your ear for two and a half hours. That's what I want, Cody. That's all. Yeah, I, that's all, right. all I want, really. That's what the people want. We need to give it to them. We need to write a screenplay. Get this movie funded. It's basically just an ASMR movie, is what yeah. it is. From ASMR from behind. Here's what you need to do: <clears throat> Google ASMR from behind NSFW, and just get the full experience. All right, that's how you do it. Yeah. Let me tell you, Tyler. This movie. I liked it. I liked it a lot. That's I to the point where I would I would say it was worth the wait. You saw how mad I was. I was so mad at all the franchises. I was so mad at the coronavirus for doing it to us and making me wait. I all that's behind me now, I don't even remember. The eighteen months where I sat awaiting for this movie to come out, it's like it never even happened. I liked it so much and I can't wait to talk about it in detail. I know. So exciting. I was like, Cody hates it. He hates movies. He doesn't even like Le Cinema. <laughs> so he's going to hate this film. So not only that, uh, but I know on top of that, you have a seething hatred for Anna de Armas. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. it's just a no, point of no return, you know? There's so much this movie had working against it. And then here it is. It overcame all the hurdles. And here we are. Ben Affleck tried to ruin this movie for us, all right? That's what you don't understand. No. He's out here breaking hearts and going back, doing take backsies. All right, look, if you break an engagement 20 years ago, it's over, all right? You can't break up with Ana de Armas and then go hook up with J-Lo again. That was a 20-year-old thing, all right? That happened many moons ago. I don't understand what he's doing, all right? He eats Dunkin' Donuts too much. I know that from internet memes, okay? And um, he should feel bad. Oh. Although, I haven't seen The Last Duel. I hope it was good. I forget if it, was, if it had good reviews or not. So, oh, I do want to see that. Is he in that? 
He wrote it. Oh. I, I don't know if he's in it, but he wrote it. I know Matt Damon's in it, and I know yeah. Adam Driver. So, yeah. All right, so let's just get in it, Cody. Get in. All right, let's do get it. Get in the car. Get in the vague uh, European car. Mm-hmm. Get in it. Nobody knows what, what brand it is because it's only in Europe. And then you go, you ask European, and they're like, how do you not know what kind of car this is, you idiot? They make four of them a year. I'm like, that's why I don't know what car it is. All right, because they're only Can I just proposed two hundred. I just propose a name what? for it. Yeah, just like a name, an, an American nickname. Yeah, can we call it the Mussolini? Yeah, there you go. Boom, nailed it. Because if you take it out of the context of history, that sounds like a good car name, right? It does. It really does. It's like and a I Maserati bet you... or Lamborghini. It's a Mussolini. Yeah, and you know what? They'd probably do it. Here's the thing: they're, you know, they're not, you know, they don't think things through sometimes. <laughs> All right. You know, there's people out here. They don't think about it, Cody. <laughs> there's people out here naming their kids Adolf still. All right, so let's, you know, <laughs> so you just, I just want to, okay. You know, here's the side. Let's pull the car over on the shoulder here for a second. Germany as a country, you need to retire the name Adolf. All right, I know you think it's been long enough. It will never be long enough. All right, if I meet a German guy and he's like, "My name's Adolf," I'm like, "Okay, what's?" No, it's not. There's no way. All right. You got to just move on. <laughs> I Because I, here's my thing about the name Adolf. There are some names that I like, kind of translate between languages, you know? Yeah. Like in Spanish, you've got Pablo. Just like, oh, that's Paul. Everybody knows Paul. Paul's a Bible name. It's been around for a, minute, a hot minute, okay? Yeah. Adolf. What does Adolf translate to? I like think. Aiden? Is it? Hitler? Is that one that <laughs> translates? I think that's the American version of Adolf is Hitler. Yeah. It makes yeah. it weird. You know, like, why was his name Hitler? Hitler. We don't have to get into that. That's not. What did you say? <laughs> Aiden, which is just Aiden? a douche oh, yeah. name to have, right? Adolf Aiden. I, look, I know an Aiden. Nothing against him. He's a great guy. It's, a, it's not a good name. Is he from right? California? Agree. Right? Yeah. California. Mm-hmm. Does he do things a little bit differently? Because <laughs> that's what I think when I hear the name Aiden. And to yeah, be yeah. fair, all the Adolfs I've ever met, they did, or I've heard about, they did things a little bit differently, Cody. You know, for better or worse, they did things differently. <laughs> all, right. all right, so you know, we'll just, I'll put it back in drive. We'll drive. We'll drive into Spoiler Town, but just keep that in mind, Germans. <laughs> there, there are people named Adolf. Just keep that in mind that Germany. that's. Maybe wait another 50, 60 years before you start using that name again, at least, you know? Like, the thing is, I think we'd need, like, one really good Adolf with a last name that's wildly different from Hitler to help us forget. Or, like, maybe a German musician who just goes by Adolf, you know, like a Madonna situation where it's like, you know what? My name is just Adolf. And then he makes, like, the most, you know, the, the 99 Luft Balloons for our generation where it's like, everyone loves this song. Isn't Germany a fun place? Like... That's what he needs to do. Yeah. 99 left balloons, like times two, you know? We're talking like 198 left balloons or something, you know? Yeah. That's what I think needs to happen. So Adolphs, get on it. Change your name. Make the hit music. You look, the, the Joshes got together and had a fight, okay? The Adolphs need to get together and have a summit to determine how are they going to redeem their name, all right? Right, yeah, I know, they really need to get on that. As a people. 
All right, so here we are, Cody. We've pulled into scenic, this beautiful, uh, this beautiful ta- town in a mountain on the beach in a river. Uh, in in Italy, in Spoiler Town, USA. Here we are. Are you? Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first so that you can feed off of my rant? Since you haven't watched this movie in like a month, and yeah, I just I would watched say, it, I'd be happy to. Uh yield my time to you you know go ahead and give you first pass and i'll uh i will scrape up the rebound you know what i'm saying i won't take that first pass oh gosh i've i know i've told you about how mad i am about the when you just type timer into Mm -hmm. the search and it never gives you the thing you want okay are you ready are you ready are you prepared okay here we go all right, Cody, I actually took notes this time. That's why you're a fool. You're not prepared for this. Okay, here's the thing. James Bond, he's dumb. Here's why he's dumb, all right? He's a stupid boy. He, okay, he goes to visit his ex-girlfriend's grave, right? Something we all do on a regular basis, you know? We all done it. We all go visit the ex-girlfriend's grave after she betrayed you, and then you caused her death by following her to a drop of millions of dollars. Don't get in the car that's very obviously yours. They put a bomb in her grave. They can put a bomb in your car. It's your car. You might as well spray paint. This is James Bond's car on the side of that car, okay? Don't get in the car. Don't get in it. Steal a car. Steal a Vespa, all right? That's what you do in all the other movies, all right? Bond went full crazy and pulled the I'll kill us both card, basically. All right? That's what he did. Look at me, Cody. That's what he did. It's the same energy as when that crazy girl that you that you married to, you know, 10 years ago, right? You know, she grabbed the steering wheel and started yanking it. And she's like, I'll kill us both because you were arguing in the car. That's what Bond did, except it was with guns, okay? That's, he sat there and stared this woman down like, I'll let us die if you don't tell me the truth, okay? And to her credit, she didn't. All right, now let's talk about Cody. Let's look at, keep looking at me. Let's talk about the opening credits. It's clocks because it's no time, to time clocks. Uh, it's all right. I give it. I I still think the Casino Royale opening is the best, but I liked the song better. All right, I did like it a lot. Tiffany also liked it a lot, which is saying something because she, you know. Uh, she likes most things. All right. There was a man nipple in the opening credits. Okay. There was, it flashed from a woman's silhouette to a man's silhouette for a second, full man nipple, then back to the woman's silhouette. And I was like, what the heck was that? You have not shown the man's silhouette except for just showing off his one nipple. And it was a hairy nipple. It, Daniel Craig is not hairy. <laughs> Whose nipple was it? All right. I need answers. Okay. Magnets, Cody. How do they work? I don't know. I was not able to get a hold of the insane clown posse. They were not able to explain to me how magnets work. All I know is that it was cool. Daniel Craig's shower, James Bond's shower is cool. I like it. It's like a river. It turns the thing and then it's like all falling down on him. And then the he called that one guy Book of Mormon because he's a goober. All right. And it's funny. Anna Darmus, uh, she's a pretty, pretty lady and we all love her. All right. Tiffany had mixed feelings on her dress, though. She said it wasn't flowy enough. And I was like, but she's got to be able to fight in it. She didn't think there were slits. And I was like, you know there's slits halfway up her back on a dress like that so that she can flutter. And then you're like, oh, now see something? But you didn't because they're professionals. And they didn't want to pay Anna de Armas to take her clothes off because that's expensive, Cody. 
all right? This cigar, I thought it was going to be a bomb. The entire time, I thought it was going to be a bomb. I was like, she's the traitor. She's part of it. She's tra- she's going to kill him. It's a bomb. It's poison. It's something. It's a tracking device. There's no way it's just a cigar. The fact that nothing came from it really, uh, really took the wind out of my sails, and I don't know how to feel about it, all right? It's, you know, I thought Felix, or I thought Bond, I thought he was going to kiss Felix. I thought he was going to kiss him right on the mouth. Like, really, like, get in there, tongue it up, you know what I mean? Uh, but then Felix died, and that was sad. And uh, he did not kiss him, and I was like, oh, he's dead. The moment's passed, now it'd be weird if you kissed him, so now you can't kiss him anymore, all right? Okay, here's my here's my biggest my biggest complaint about the whole movie. Bond would have infected Blofeld anyway. Blofeld was already programmed into this thing. He got misted. He got coded in this stuff. It is part, it his, his DNA has been replaced with these nanites, all right? He would, he didn't need to touch her stupid perfume. He still, he would have killed Blofeld without touching her dumb perfume, all right? Right? Nod your head to say I am right and you are wrong, all right? You nodded your head and that's what everybody saw, all right? This kid, this kid busts out with a slinky and totally kills the mood, all right? They're having a heart to heart. He's having a, let's, you know... I love you. I've always, you know, you tell me you didn't betray me and I didn't know. And I'm sorry. Let's do it. Let's get freaky deaky. And then this kid with a stupid slinky just kills the mood. All right. And then the <laughs> Cody blew his mind. Let's take a moment. <laughs> it's funny. All right. And then he's okay. He slow broke Freddie Mercury's arm. All right. That's Freddie. Do you know how much Freddie Mercury's arm is worth? I don't know. Not as much as his teeth, but he's also dead, but he's alive in Rami Malik. All right. That's the real thing. Okay. But he took him, he took his arm anyway, slowly broke it. You ever slowly broken someone's arm? It takes forever. It's not great, Cody. It feels bad to them. All right. It feels bad to them. Here's the thing, Cody. I feel like I would bet money that they're like, and he narrowly escapes it, narrowly escapes the rockets. And then Daniel Craig was like, no, you need to kill me. <laughs> Oh, Tyler, I'm so, look, you were had some great momentum. I could cut you off, all right? You've had enough. You've had enough. Now, shut up. I'm going. It's my turn. How dare you sit here and criticize this movie even a little bit? Look, here's the thing. I admire your eye for detail and your thoughts, your critical thoughts, because I was, I was a, a washed over in this film. And I was just, just waves of pleasure, all right? Every five minutes, just a big wave of pleasure over me. And I enjoyed it too much to think about it too critically. So I'm glad you're here. I need you here with me for this. This movie, absolutely worth the wait. And here's the thing. Everyone wants to say what James Bond is, right? Because back in the day, they were like, it's, you know, it's suave, it's, sexist and it's fun it's just a fun male fantasy and then they're like you know what it's goofy it's silly it's campy that's what we want to do with it and then they're like no it's like a 90s action movie it's either really good or sucks you know and that's those are the phases of bond we've had and so every time a new phase of bond comes in people are like that's not james bond james bond is this all right daniel craig brought in a james bond era where the movies were good and people weren't ready for it they were like oh this is just like a good spy thriller action movie And it's much more serious, you know? And they were like, no, we can't have that. It needs to be bad and it needs to be campy or it needs to be sexist or it needs, you know, like they just want, it's regressive is what it is. It's like, look, if Daniel Craig's doing this, this is what Bond is until we stop doing Daniel Craig ones, you know? That's what needed to happen. 
And I think this movie is a perfect end cap to his era because it really, it takes a lot of the tropes, it turns them on their head. And I really appreciated that. I think a lot of that comes from them getting Phoebe Waller's bridge. She's on the writing staff because she wrote things like, uh, what's it called? What's the one show she does that everyone likes? Fleabag, which is very like break the fourth wall, you know, nods at this, winks at that. Um, I think all the moments, you know, where it's, oh, hey, this is this time for the sexy moment. And then it's like, no, it's not. Why would this be, you know? Um, like when he meets up in Cuba with Ana de Armas and, and he's like, oh, I guess we're just getting started. She's like, no, like you got to put your clothes on, <laughs> you know? So good. And then when uh, he goes back with the real 007 on a motorcycle and he takes off her wig, he's like, that's not the thing I thought you were going to take off. And um, it's just great. It's great comedy. It's great because it's more realistic, you know, in the Bondiverse. And um, I just really appreciate they did that. You know, I'm not saying they have to do that every time, but I like that they did it this time. I just like that they carried on with like, no, we're doubling down. This is a different kind of Bond thing. We're trying to do something new. And I think that's what you have to do. It's like with Marvel. They're like, you got to do different kinds of movies if you want to keep this thing going. I think you've got to modernize Bond a little bit and be like, what's a different direction we can take? This is a much slower burn than some of the previous movies, you know? And uh, there was a lot that needed to get done in this movie because the last movie, you really could have left it at that. And I think Daniel Craig would have been fine with that because it's like, look, you got to drive off into the sunset, you know? Sure, uh, M, the whole MI6 thing is in ashes and who knows what's going to happen to the world. At least James Bond maybe has a chance at happiness. You know, that was kind of the end of the movie. And so I think with this one, they really had to figure out like, okay, how do we address this little honeymoon phase? How's that going to play out? And then we have to create some sort of threat. And then we have, and I really think it was interesting how they did it because they're like, hey, here's their little honeymoon. Look, it went bad. Bond will never trust anyone to find love. Um, anyway, let's just skip forward five years. And he's totally out of the game. Now let's get him back into the game. And I just thought it was really interesting. It created plenty of conflict to move the movie forward, I thought, and make it interesting for me. As someone who's seen 24 Bond movies, I need my 25th one to break the mold a little bit. And I think they did a great job with that. And here's the other thing. Some of the best writing in a Bond movie, I would say, um, just the punch-ups and stuff too was like world-class. Uh, but they also, like, as much as they tried to change the Bond movie and make it its own thing, they still, they honored the puns. They honored the gadgets. They honored the Daniel Craig. And that's what I liked the most about it. Like, in some ways, it was the essence of Bond. And in other ways, it was like, here's like a whole new Bond for you, you know? And I think that is a beautiful balance. High fives all around. I want, look, here's the note I wrote. All right, this is where I'm at. <laughs> Carrie Joji, uh, I always get his name wrong. Let's just call him Carrie because that's easy. The director. I wrote, I want to kiss Carrie on the mouth. Like, I just, that's how I felt when I got out of the theater. That's, uh, that's it. All right, I'm going to have to cut you off, Cody. Don't stop drinking your seltzer. You can't do that. I'm cutting you off, Cody. It's the end. It's the end of your time. Okay. So basically what you're telling me was 
you you just loved the movie. You didn't see nothing wrong with it. Nothing. It was just the best movie you've ever seen. You didn't even... Cody, are you trying to tell me that you did not even notice, okay, all right, that, uh, that a Royal Navy Type 45 destroyer is seen launching a barrage of missiles against the villain's lair. However, the Type 45 carries the Sea Viper system, which is an anti-aircraft and anti-missile only. All right? You didn't notice these kinds of, you know, immersion-breaking goofs and gaffes? I don't have time to listen to the missile nerds, okay? If there's one group of nerds that I, I will not be beholden to, it's the missile kind, all right? Okay, let me hit you with another one then. All right, there's a container ship from uh, from French company CMA CGM at the port in Santiago Santiago de Cuba. Cuba is still under U.S. sanctions, so CMA vessels never enter Cuban ports. All right. <laughs> what about James Bond driving on the wrong side of the road in Italy? You can't okay, say Cuban. <laughs> Cuban. <laughs> Look, if if Vin Diesel can say Boisil, I can say Cuban. All right. He's definitely not white. I'm definitely white. Okay. So at least I'm acknowledging the fact that I'm white versus him who is not acknowledging the fact that he's oh, white. I love it. Look, I love it. All right. Basically, I'm saying I love I'm it. Vin Diesel. <laughs> I'm Vin Diesel. Oh, man. <laughs> it's a diesel time. Do you have, a, do you have a, <laughs> Are there any other goose and gaffs you'd like to look? There's lots here? of like plot holes and stuff, and then there's uh, some where they re- they rectify them, where they're like, "You may have thought this was a plot hole," and I was like, "Nobody thought, nobody thought that was a plot hole, not one person." All right, uh, let's see. Uh, the, he used the wrong gun or something. I don't know. <laughs> The in the in the flashback, uh, mm-hmm. the because the gun sounded like it was suppressed. That's not right. Uh, shoes switch or something. Uh, no one ever says that. Uh, what's her name? Um, the little girl. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. No one ever says specifically that she can't speak English, Cody. Uh-huh. So, which speaking of that, I just, you know, oh gosh, I closed out of it like a fool. Um, so James Bond looks like Gordon Ramsay at this point, right? Like Daniel Craig is starting to become Gordon Ramsay. He's starting to really look like him. All right. I didn't realize it until he was sitting there staring this small child down, wanting a review of his eggs. And then I was like, <laughs> so Gordon Ramsay's the next James Bond. No. But tell me that's not a genius idea, all right? You look at me and you try to tell me that that's not the best. I mean, look, if we're going to do a biopic of Gordon Ramsay's life, I can't think of anyone better. Oh, a biopic? Stop. <laughs> Is it Matilda? Yes, probably. All right. Tell, so, tell me your thoughts. <laughs> on On which part? <laughs> I just you start from the beginning, you know. Let's move forward. Let's move. Our I, way I don't the know. Movie. I loved. 
I love the pacing of the movie. I, I hear my biggest gripe with it was the one thing they didn't develop as well as they have done with some of the Bond villains was just like, he really seemed like the basic Bond villain of like, yeah, I'm here to destroy the world. You know? And I didn't, I think they maybe with one or two speeches, they tried to say like, oh no, here's sort of his vibe. Like, yeah, he just, he seemed like, oh, he's kind of demented. He just wants to blow up the world or, you know, make them suffer or something. He I, wants I, to I guess help. I didn't get his, I didn't get his motive, you know, like what? He seemed like he just kind of wanted to blow the whole thing up. Yeah. He wants to help it evolve. Yeah, so, all right. Right? So that that was my biggest gripe was like, oh, for, for them casting Rami Malek, um, they didn't develop him quite. Like, I thought he gave a great performance and an interesting villain. I just, you know, you have to kind of pick and choose what you're going to do. They focus so much time on Bond, his relationship with Madeline. Yes. 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 That sounds right. With Madeline and, you know, Bond getting back into the game and like that whole thing that Rami Malek kind of becomes a second half villain where he's like, okay, anyway, you know, like some of the Bond movies, like it spends a long time with the mystery and who's the guy, who's the guy. Then you see him, he's there for 30 minutes and the movie ends. So Rami Malek was more of that villain. And it's like, ah, oh, it's not that it's a waste, but I do feel like he maybe could have used him a little bit more. So that, that was my biggest gripe was like, oh, it's a cool idea for a villain. Rami Malek is a good performance. I just, I don't know if he was as well developed as I wanted. For how well I think the rest of the movie was written, I think that piece was just a little bit lacking for me. Yeah. But it's hard. You have to pick, you know, you have to pick and choose. Like, do you want to try to give closure to the Bond story? Do you want to invent a whole new character and get him developed and introduced into it? So I'll take it. I like what they did. But that was my big gripe. I don't know. How did you feel about uh, Freddie Mercury slash Rami Malek? his turn as a villain um I felt I, I mean I liked him I liked that he I uh I felt like they were setting him up as this person who's like kind of like a Thanos was what they wanted him to come across as you know like someone's like yeah mm. I want to kill half of everybody to fix everything you know but it really looked like he was just like, yeah, I'm basically just going to kind of kill as many people as I can and hope that everything works out, you know? Right. Yeah. So it's like, and I'm sure it's because they were like, well, it's a thing based on like, it's a programmable virus essentially based on DNA. So it's like, we can't really <clears throat> have him targeting any specific group without coming making him seem like racist. So. Right, uh, you can't just be like, um, Southeast Asians, you're getting it. And it's like, wait, but why? Hold on. No. Yeah. yeah. I did think it was, because um, I was looking at, I was figure, trying to figure out, what what is he supposed to be ethnically, all right? Because it's like their whole, they're on this island that's <clears throat> disputed between Japan and uh, Russia. And, uh, but his home and everything is like built in an old Soviet base. But he seems like his home was very Japanese. And I'm like, oh, <clears throat> is he supposed to be like the, the Russians that are from that far end of Russia? But I'm like, but Rami Malek, Malek is Egyptian. <laughs> so the guy Rami comes Malek to my been, main... Look, <laughs> is, Rami Malek has been given the gift, okay? Yeah. Of being ethnically... He's already played Freddie Mercury. Like, the roles he's picked are already like... Oh no, he could play anyone, like of any ethnicity. 
But Freddie Mercury's parents were like they like Iranian or something. So I mean like some somewhere in that region. From the same, you know, gigantic circle. But that's like far. That's like you then coming to me but like Tyler, here's what we need. We need you to go down and play Pablo Escobar. And I'll be like, I got it. I got this. <laughs> Everyone's gonna believe that I'm Colombian. All right. No one's going to question yeah. it. Which you look at Escobar, you know, I think I could do it. You know, would I? No, but I could. I just want, I want Are the Academy to down? know that. <laughs> I would very publicly turn it down to get the points for saying, no, oh, yeah. you should find you gotta, a Colombian. To you got to get them points. Yeah. And then they would go and get who? Vin Diesel, because he's definitely not white, Cody. That's true, yeah. That's all we know. So, yeah, so that that was my gripe with the villain. Um, Other than that, I really, really liked I thought it was a really strong move to do the the hero's death, you know, just to be like, you know what? It's too late. It's too far gone. Like, this is jumping all the way to the end, but I... I thought it was a beautiful way to end the movie, and it was unlike any no Bond movies ended like that. He yeah. always gets away. He always gets the girl, or you know, moves along and does whatever. So it was, it was just a cool way to do something different in the franchise at the same time, like really say farewell to Daniel Craig, and um, you know, it pulled it pulled at me at least because it was like, oh, like he he finally, you know, like it, it was just hard because the whole movie you're like, oh, okay, he lost trust for Madeline, and so. He's like, whatever, I'll just sit here, retire, drink, and hang out at my cool. Uh, is it, was it Jamaica? Was he in Jamaica? Was it Kingston? Or where was he? Okay, so I thought Jamaica too. Jamaica, Cuba, then, Dominican Republic. <clears throat> then they made the joke about there being lots of shipwrecks. So I was like, he's probably in Bermuda. Boom. Yeah. Nailed it. Winner. All right. So anyway, so he had his tropical home. And so, you know, then the ghost kind of comes back to haunt him. Right, and he's like, "Okay, fine. I'll get involved with Book of Mormon here and Felix, and we'll do it." Which I love that Book of Mormon joke too. Oh, it made me so happy. Um, and yeah, so then it comes full circle. And it's like, "Oh, Madeline's here!" Like, you know, and that really it's just interesting to see, to see. I don't know, just the emotions of James Bond and him having committed, because that's kind of how his tenure starts, too, right? Because it's like, "Oh, hey, Ava Green's here, and we're actually in love." And then it's like, "No, that didn't work out." And so then you see him kind of being bitter for a couple of movies and then he meets Madeline. You're like, maybe this could be something, you know? And so for that to fall away from him and time to pass and he sees her again. It's so like, I was invested in like the romance of it and like what's actually going to happen. And is, you know, was he right? Was he wrong to trust her or not trust her? And then he has a daughter. I just, I don't know. I really liked those beats of playing at like, okay, who is, aside from just like the dude who drinks too much and likes to shoot people, who is James Bond? And it was like, like this is him maybe deciding to actually like settle down and really embrace this life. And at the end he was like, I guess I, I can't do it because I have to save the world instead, you know? So I, I really liked that through line in the movie. I really liked that. And that's the writing that made me so happy to see them do a storyline like that in a Bond movie. Yeah. Which part of me wonders, right. If it wasn't like, in the script like oh he narrowly escapes or there wasn't going to be like because i felt like it was set up you know like they do the classic thing right where it's going to be like oh it looks like he died but then it's gonna 
there it's Madeline and Meredith or whatever, and they're in a bistro in France, and then they turn, and it's like, oh, there was a blonde boy over there, and then boom, Bunny, Bunny's there, Bunny's on the table, you know, and it's like, yeah, he's alive, but then uh, <clears throat> Daniel Craig comes in and he's like. F you guys. I'm not doing another one. I'm not going out like Roger Moore. All right. <laughs> you need to hit me with a missile in this one. I need yeah. to die. Undeniably die. Mm-hmm. Which part of me was like, well, I wonder why. Because, you know, then there's like, you know, it's like, oh, he could have still gotten out and just not been around them anymore. But then I was like, but anybody he touches then becomes infected with this thing. So it's, if he ever touched anybody that survived it would run the risk of it somehow getting back to them mm-hmm. yeah and it was some it was just interesting too because it, it's kind of like saying oh could bond ever really love someone you know and then it's, and i think the conclusion of the movie is yes he could but his job's getting in the way of it still you know like that's yeah. kind of the ending point where it's just like yes he could like as a man yes but as 007 no just kind yeah. of an interesting like thesis you know to say like no this is this is the moral of the story yeah uh what did you think about the other 007 as far as that storyline um i do like her as a as an actor actor you know she's in uh i know she was in captain marvel and something else oh no i clicked on some i clicked on one yeah I, I, just, I guess I just appreciated that it's like, yeah, no, you're not 007 anymore. But then by the end of the movie, she was like, all right, I respect you. You are 007. You know, like, yeah. I thought that was also good writing just to be like, look, here's their relationship. And it's, she's the new one. He's the old one. And, you know, I appreciate that they gain the respect for each other by the end. But then what double O is she made? And Tiffany was like, mm-hmm. the, whichever one he was. And they were like, but what double O was he? And fun fact, he was always 007. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I also liked too that she was in there to be like, you yeah, know, you are reckless. Like you you will not do anything by the book, and you are trusting the wrong people, and your methods are bad. You know, which has always been the thing. But it's cool to see. Oh yeah, there's no, there's another super spy that's like by the book. You know, yeah. And I like the conflict of like, you yeah, know, you're young. Of course, you think everyone's on your side. Like I've been betrayed a billion times, and you know, I know how this really works. And I just I like that playing off of each other. And I I just wonder. The other thing I really liked, I really liked Ana de Armas in this. And um, I guess in terms of like a Bond girl, she was like my favorite, I think. Oh, yeah. I think she had the best turn as a Bond girl as where I was like, oh, no, amazing moment. And it was sad that it was only like 20 minutes of the movie. I was like, so I'm wondering if they're setting her up, like is she going to be the Felix for the next movie? You know, like is she going to be the American agent that is the contact with Bond when they do American, you know, CIA operations with them? which I would be thrilled with. I could also see it just like being a one-off, but um, I guess Daniel Craig specifically asked for her after working with her in Knives Out, um, and because the movie was delayed, it was it was feasible, but he was like, yeah, no, we need to do more movies with her. Yeah, that's uh, that's what the only thing that I think would be the, uh, like kind of the roadblock, I guess, to her being becoming like the new Felix would be that her in the movie is because Daniel Craig is like, She's the one I want. She's like her, you know? Yeah. No, I see that. And that's the other thing is they really did set it up. Like if they wanted to do the Fast and Furious thing where they're like all girl cast movie, which they announced, they could do that with this and be like, look, we have a lady 007. We have a lady Felix. We've got 
um, you know, so they, I don't, I doubt they would do it. I, but I do wonder, like, okay, they set up this. Are they going to, like, wash it clean? Or are they going to do the thing that Bond has always done where it's like, you know, Money Penny is in it until Money Penny is done. You know, like, Money Penny is going to be in, like, 12 movies, right? So, like, is the, is the actor who played Q going to stay in it? Is Ralph Fiennes going to stay in it? Or are they going to, like, okay, are we going to reboot Bond here in a couple of years? And new Bond, new M, new Q. Or are they going to keep some of these characters they introduce in this movie's mainstays? Are we going to do a Lady Bond? I would I would be fine with it, but I could just see it like going terribly at the box office based on all the other really good female-driven movies we've had in the last three years that just haven't done nearly as well as they should have at the box office. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's my those are my questions. Yeah, it, it does leave a lot of stuff open. I do, I wonder, you know, because there is still the, the open door, like they haven't, really i think said as far as i know anyway whether or not um gosh what's her face the new 007 the younger one mm-hmm. in this one whether or not she's actually going to be the new 007 or it's just for this movie that she took well, up, so <clears throat> that is one thing too that this bond movie's done more so than any others because every other bond movie before craig was very much if we want to keep something from the previous movies, we will. And if we don't, we won't. You know? Because yeah. there's the George Lazenby one where it's like, he's married. And then, like, there's a Roger Moore one where they're like, yeah, that never happened. And there's another one where it's like, yeah, no, here's his wife's grave. You know? So I wonder, will they keep it a through line or will they kind of just do, like, a soft reboot, a hard reboot? Like, I just wonder what the future is for James Bond. Yeah, because it so, it's wild, right? Because in this one, right, they, like, pass the M from... Uh, Judy Dench to Ralph Fiennes, right? Yeah. With like the you, which movie was it? Quantum of Solace or was it Skyfall or something? Spectre, one of them. Spectre is the one where Ralph Fiennes is like in charge, basically. Yeah. But like the one it's that Judy ends Dench with him being Fiennes. in charge, isn't it? Well, because Judy Dench was in Skyfall. Yeah. So then it would have been Spectre, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, like, when she became M, it was, like, she just replaced the previous guy because he died <laughs> before yeah. they could fil- finish filming. So they're like, oh, shoot. Well, she's the new M now. And they just mm-hmm. kind of moved, like, nobody said anything. I think Bond might have had, like, one offhand comment to indicate, like, yeah, it is a new person. <laughs> and that's it. Right. Or no, there was that one movie where he they never showed it. Like he was always turned away from Bond or something. Or yeah, like the camera yeah. was always pointed from his point of view over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that next one, it was just like she just walked into like a briefing room and she's like, Bond. And he's like, yes, M. And they were like, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, another thing I just thought about this movie that's interesting with the writing that I didn't really pick up until now that we're talking about it. Because so much of the of 007 with um, Lashana Lynch as the lady 007 is she's by the book and doesn't like that Daniel Craig isn't by the book. Um, Because, right, James Bond always does the cool thing instead of the by the book thing and saves the world. And I think it was interesting in this movie because they really had to, I feel like everyone else had to make that decision. James Bond is there trying to stop, open up the door so they can blow up the thing. 
Um, but then M and Q have to make the decision like, okay, by the book, we cannot fire missiles at foreign soil. All these people are watching, like this could cause, this could be a huge deal. <laughs> you know, like we could cause yeah. some real military political upset here. And they decide to do the not by the book thing, you know? They're like, no, we just have to, to save the world. So I thought it was kind of cool to put them in the, the position that normally 007 would be in, where he's like, nope, I just got to do this to do the, do the right thing, even though it's the wrong thing, you know? Yeah. So I think there's a lot going for this movie in terms of the writing. I thought it was pretty well written. And maybe here's the thing that I was most impressed with was how they brought back Christoph Waltz. Um, because I saw it in the trailer, and I was like, how are we going to bring this guy back? Like We're already done with... Like I, I was like, that was my first big red flag because everything was trending right. Because I was like, oh, look, Ana de Armas is in it. Uh, they got um, Carrie to do the directing and they got Phoebe Bridges-Waller for the right. Like, I was like, there's so many things going right for this movie. Rami Malek being cast. I was like, why are we bringing back Christoph Waltz as... Blofeld. Blofeld and... Um, I thought it was brilliant the way they used him, you know, that it was just like that one scene and it was like, no, he's kind of, you know, he's almost like the red herring for the movie, but I loved their, uh, their interaction and I thought it was really, it was actually really well done. I did learn that it was supposed to be a secret. It was not supposed to be like part of the marketing of the movie or anything. Um, nice. but Christoph Waltz was seen multiple times <laughs> in Pinewood Studios. People are like, all right, something's up, you know, like someone saw him and he literally told the person like, you haven't seen me. <laughs> like went back to shooting the movie, you know, and it didn't work. So they're like, okay, well, I guess the cat's out of the bag. We're, we have Christoph Waltz in this. So that is one thing I was really worried about that I actually, actually really enjoyed their scene just because Christoph Waltz is great. Yeah, he is great. I did think, you know, you're talking about like it being, because Bond, with Bond dying at the end, a good closure. Blofeld is such a long running Bond character that I feel like him dying was also like a really good, all right, so this whole chapter of Bond is like, it's, we're done with it. Because mm-hmm. it's Bond's dead and his Blofeld is dead, meaning like the two pillars of most Bond movies are gone. Right. So we have to get new people or reboot it to some extent or get new villains. Mm-hmm. Bring back, <laughs> just pretend like Javier Bardem is still there and he's alive and he's well and he's good. Yeah. Is he dying in his movie? I can't even, he did, right? He got know. blown up probably. Probably. Yeah, so I'm curious. I'm curious about like what comes next, how they play it. But here's what I'm saying to you though, Cody. Javier Bardem's movie made a billion dollars. None of the other ones came close to that. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Javier Bardem equals over a billion dollars. Okay. We all it's know been it. Quite a few. We all. It's been in quite a few it. movies that are like. This is too. Artisanal Javier. to be a blockbuster, and then it's like, no, it's but like, then you no country Javier. for did amazing, you know. Javier. Yeah. He's got that power, he's got that star status, you know. That's yeah. when I think oh, of yeah. Javier Bardem, I think international superstar, you know. What I mean, I need my movie to be successful, it's got to be Javier Bardem, all right. He's like, got to be there. Like, we're talking about Dune, it's you know, uh, worldwide not done well, uh, but it made oh, twice its budget, so that's good. Mm hmm. For half of so, for the boring half of a book, that's pretty it's a big good. win. It's a big win for a dual release, still in the pandemic where like people aren't going to movies yet. You know, not as many people. Oh yeah, um, Billie Eilish song. 
there were haters out here. Okay, when she dropped the track, okay, people were like, "Well, this song's dumb," and I knew they were wrong. Like, as a single, it's fine. As a Bond theme song, worked great. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was like perfect for the vibe and the themes of the movie. I thought it was a great setup for it. It worked great as a Bond theme song. Uh, that's what I have to say. That's it. That's all you. That's, that's, that's it. All I have that's, to say. That's all. Um, great. Let's see. So I'm I'm looking at the I'm clicking through the last few. So the last so Spectre was Sam Smith. It looks like. But didn't Billie Eilish do another one, or is it just this one and it's been so long? Yeah, no, it's just process. been so long. Because Billie Eilish is like 17 and a half. I mean, she's like maybe like 19 or 20 now, but like when, when the song came out, she was like 17 or 18. Okay. I, you know, it's hard to judge, you know. Oh, it's, it's Adele that has done twi- done two. Okay. What was her second one? Was it Quantum of Solace? Or? Skyfall. Was it a Skyfall? Sky, well, right, but Skyfall was like the the good one. Who did the... What was her second one? You said she did two? Didn't, uh... Hers was... She did the Casino Royale opening, I think. Song. Oh, she did? Was that a duet? Is that why? I'm scrolling down. I'm looking. Oh, no. So this one says uh, it's uh, uh, Chris Cornell. So I oh, he's she... in a band. What band is he in, Cody? I forget, but I was like, oh. He's one of those people like, oh, you're the frontman for that band. Everyone knows, but you're not known as the frontman uh, for that band. Looking at, I'm trying to figure out. She did a song. Well, maybe she just did a song in another one of the movies. But I thought she did too. But maybe here's the thing. In my mind, Skyfall is a new movie. Soundgarden got it. Skyfall is a new movie, but Skyfall came out many, many years ago, and Casino Royale came out in 2006. Okay, that's what yeah. we're talking about right now. Skyfall. It came out in 2012. All right. Do I need to go on? Do I need to make you feel older? Spectre uh, well, came out that, in 2015. That does bring me to one of my fun facts. Give it uh, to me. Daniel Craig now has the longest-running Bond tenure with 15 years. <gasps> Roger Moore had 12 years. And uh, Sean Connery has more if you count the non, the unofficial <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh, so Because that makes him like 20 years or something. So as far as consecutive Bond movies... Uh, Daniel Craig is the longest Bond tenure, 15 years. So he is, a, I think that officially makes him the James Bond. Like until someone breaks his record, I think he is, like he is base James Bond now. You know how it used to be Sean Connery and then some people were like, no, it's, it, the debate was Connery more. Now Craig has, look, he did it. He has the stats to be base Bond. Yeah. But who, but for real though, we all know who base Bond was for a long time and still kind of is to a lot of people, I'm sure. You know, mm-hmm. we both George were. Lazenby. I mean, he was he was a special treat, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, who are you talking about? You talking about Pierce? Pierce, yeah. Oh, Pierce, yeah. I mean, because that was our generation of Bond, right? In the nineties. Yeah. But it was yeah. also like he was the epitome of like, like Sean Connery was like everybody's like, oh yeah, and then. But, like, let's be real. You take Sean Connery in his prime, and you put him next to Pierce Brosnan in his prime, and you're like, oh, one of these is a British super agent, and the other one's, like, the drunk guy he pulls out of the bar, and it's like, you pretend to be me for an afternoon so that I can I mean, can if you look at 60-year... Like, if you compared them, where I was like, here's 60-year-old Brosnan versus... Like, 60-year-old Brosnan is, like, a total fox, you know? Whereas, like, Sean Connery went full 
Scottish grandpa, you know? <laughs> and maybe part of that is The Last Crusade, you know? Like, that kind of turned him for me. But, um, you know, like, Pierce Brosnan's still out here slugging, okay? He's still a silver fox. Um, oh, yeah. Here's the thing. Sean I'm Connery's to... not doing it. I think Sean Connery thinks he's still doing it, but he's not, you know? <laughs> yeah, he definitely thinks he's he's still smooth, but is he? No. When was the first... What was the was it the spy who loved me was that the first no the man with the golden Doctor gun no no the, oh for first, you're talking about Brosnan for more Roger Moore more Live and let die oh, man. is the earliest one I'm seeing here uh that's a TV series where he played Bond so he was probably Bond before that right I think oh, if Pierce Brosnan had a little bit better luck with the writing of his movies and had gotten his start ten years earlier like everyone wanted he would have been the 20 year 10 year bond guy yeah because wasn't he was going to do it and then he couldn't he had so got... with remington steel so he had a spy tv series for like years that he could not get out of and everyone's like let him he's doing he's doing the bond thing in remington steel essentially so just let him get out of that so he can do bond movies because we all want him for bond yeah meanwhile they were languishing with my second favorite bond what's his, what's his name? the guy that did two movies timothy dalton I like Timothy Dalton. I liked him a lot. Yeah, but uh, even he more, wasn't he the one that even said like he's like he's like I don't, I don't know why I'm here. It should be Pierce Brosnan. And he's like I'm just here because yeah. I look like him. But he's mm-hmm. like definitely sounded the smoothest because he is someone who I it default to thinking well he's the villain. So when mm-hmm. he's being the good guy, it is like oh gosh, I'll do whatever you say. <laughs> he's so smooth. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm trying to f- um, figure out how old Roger Moore was when he first became Bond because I know he was old. I know he finished at like 57, and I think Daniel Craig just finished at 51. I think Sean Connery finished at like 53. Maybe. To think that Ro- Okay, here's the thing: to compare Daniel Craig to Roger Moore in his last movie, if you had asked me how old was Roger Moore in his last movie, I would have told you 73. Okay, <laughs> that man could not pull off bond to save his life in that last movie that's okay. the thing see those bonds the your connery's your moors that was from the age where like people were just like drinking and smoking all the time you know where it wasn't you know it, the cat wasn't out of the bag where it's like we should really stop smoking whereas daniel craig is like of the era of like yeah no people don't smoke nearly as much now you know so they really have that working against them i feel yeah but you know Roger Moore just said he did not he did not he did not age well it was not graceful yeah and I do appreciate like it's just interesting too the difference like Roger Moore's turning point was like all right this girl is the same age as my daughter you know this is weird now was it daughter whereas Daniel Daniel Craig's turning point is all right I've been doing so many hardcore stunts for 15 years my body's falling apart and my wife's gonna be really mad at me if I if I keep doing these movies and like get more reconstructive surgery to fix things. Yeah. By the way, did you know he was married to Rachel Vice? I didn't know that. I didn't know. I think maybe I, maybe I learn it every time we do one of his movies, but it still shocks me every time. I, uh, I dug into his, uh, a little bit more of his stuff, you know, his Wikipedia and everything to in prep for this. And I was just like, Oh, so like, I kind of understood part of why he might, another reason he might be like yeah i don't want to do bond anymore because he had such a varied and like not like 
until he became Bond, it wasn't like he was this huge Hollywood hit or anything. But he was mm-hmm. pretty much since he was like late teens, he's been acting consistently and super varied stuff and in big stuff, small stuff, like a solid mid-range actor, like somebody who you could pull in and be like the kind of person when someone's like, I want new faces in my huge, you know, multi-billion dollar blockbuster or whatever. He's one of those guys. And I'm sure like he was to go from that. He was in like hitting King Arthur's court in 1995. Like that, that was the levels of roles he was doing in the nineties, you know, but like then by the early two thousands, he's still, he's in a lot. Like he's in quite a few credits, but like nothing that huge. Yeah. But I mean, like it was just constant in all these different roles and all this different stuff. And he still does plays and stuff. So I'm sure like when you're like, okay, so I know you've been like, being in these movies where you're in and out in a month max and like you've been enjoying that and that was your dream job and you love it. But here's what we need. We need you to be one character for 15 years and we're going to give also, you a hard time if you do anything else. Also, we're going to make you run through walls and get punched in the face. You know? yeah. like, also, could you be like the most ripped Bond ever? Like we know all the <laughs> other Bonds have been like, oh yeah, no, like they're in decent shape and there have also been Grandpa Bonds, but could you get like totally jacked? Yeah. Because, I mean, like, yeah. you got to remember, Daniel Craig, like, is one of the actors that is like, I'll be a stormtrooper in the background of a Star Wars movie. So he just likes acting and has since he was a kid. So right. I'm sure. And I, it seems like these big, like, long-running uh, roles, like someone who's like, I just like acting, they don't necessarily like those. Because right. well, like, if you think about, like, if you think about like Robert Downey Jr. with uh, Iron Man, you know, like Robert Downey Jr. has been nominated for Oscars and stuff, and been he's—I mean—he's had a crazy long career. But when he took on Iron Man, it was like, anyway, this is the next thirteen years of, the, of your life until we kill you off. And so, like, if if he did want to do other things, or if he didn't want to take a break, it's like, no, sorry, we need you. Like, can you just come here and come do this acting? You know, we need you for this one scene in this one movie. Or actually, you're going to be the main character in this. Like, that's a lot. It's a lot to ask of someone. Yeah. When you think about an actor's normal schedule and someone who has been in award-winning movies where you're like, maybe he wants to do something different than like a big, big blockbuster and you have to do pickups and you have to do voiceovers and you have to do commercials and you have to do press and you have to do, you know, all this other stuff that goes into it. Which, you know, I mean, I guess in that situation, like he's, he's credited a lot to, the, or he said a lot that like Iron Man, he's like, Iron Man saved my life because he was like, he's like, I was at the bottom of the death spiral basically of like uh-huh. addiction and all these like the classic hollywood i was a big actor and then i fell into all this stuff and then he's like and then uh what's his face feige 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 or favreau whoever like actually picked him was like he's like reached down and was like nope you're coming with me and he's like and now i'm the richest guy in the world or something you know yeah, like yeah. the highest paid well, actor like, for yeah, years if you compare him to Chris Evans, same kind of thing. Where it's like, you know, you're Captain America for the next 12 years until yeah. we say you're done, you know? Not I think, that I think Chris Evans is necessarily, I don't know, like, he's a good actor for sure. But, you know, if if he did want to branch out, if he wanted to go the hardcore actor route, the method actor route, like, your next 12 years, you don't have as many opportunities to do that. Like, yeah. everyone's going to know who you are, but you're tied to the Marvel franchise until you're out of the Marvel franchise, you know? Yeah, because I mean, like, unless you're Christian Bale, once again, you can't do Robert Downey Jr. didn't have to get ripped, but Chris Evans did. Oh yeah, 
Which is why he always cited hating being Captain America because he's like, I can't do anything. Because he's like, you know, with the exception of, like I said, like Christian Bale, like nobody can swap between Shredded and like any other body type fast enough and to be different. And there's a price movies. to pay yeah. to doing that. You know, like Christian Bale is an insane person. Oh, yeah. With, he's with a crazy man. rage issues, which like I get. I'm not good with food. Like if you made me bulk up and strip down and get jacked and get cut and get fat and get you know like if you made me go between those extremes within like a three-year period i would be a monster yeah i would i would probably have three times as many videos of me yelling at cast and crew than christian bale does you know oh yeah i'm sure like i wonder how uh much of a nightmare he if he was here's my because here's my thought i wonder if he was a nightmare on the set of vice because they just looked at this man who had to become emaciated, become shredded, become normal, become shredded again, become emaciated again, become kind of shredded, and then as filming become normal or become normal and then become shredded. And they're like, here's what we need from you, Christian. Chris, get fat. Get real fat. <laughs> and I'm sure that was probably the least stressful uh-huh. body transformation. That, that's, that's what I've heard, though. It's like, well depending on how big you're trying to get, like it's not too bad to be the guy who has to put on weight for a movie. Yeah. But then as soon as that movie's over, you have to drop the weight for your next role. You're like, I hate this. Like that's yeah. the hard part. <laughs> it's like, I could tell you as a fat man myself though, the kind of gut and everything he had, he was probably able to drop it faster than most people would. He did he have put on very specific. I know he put on weight, but I know he had prosthetics at least for his face. I don't know if, that was true yeah. for all of his body because he did get pretty big considering. Yeah, because there's pictures of him at the beach and stuff. He yeah, he got big, but it was like a it was like a beer gut basically. Where I bet you that was part of what he did was probably drink a lot of beer, or a lot of like yeah. even if you drank the alcohol free beer or something so yeah. that you could drink more, it would give mm-hmm. you that big, expanded gut and then you can pull it back in. You know that's what I do. <laughs> that's my plan to just pull it back in as soon as I get that big roll. <laughs> As soon as they come to me and say, Tyler, we need you to be Captain America, I'll bulk up. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, would, I, would, I would hate so, to. Even, here's, you, know, you know, they really just need to find somebody like Tom Cruise to be James Bond, who's like. Right, just who's an like absolute 60. maniac who's like, yeah. Who's and they're like, like no, I want to I do this until I'm 82. Yeah, they're like, you don't, you don't need to be jumping over that fence right now. We're not even filming. He's like, don't, I'm doing it. I'm going like, over on, this hold fence. Hold on, before we wrap, I have an idea for, for four more stunts. <laughs> yeah. All right, so just, you're going to drop me from a helicopter. <laughs> I don't need to do this. I saw some sharks in the reef, so here's what we're going to do. Give me a saddle. <laughs> yeah. He is uh, he's all the energy of someone like The Rock packed into a very small package. I think here's what I think happened. Do you remember when he was on Oprah and he was talking about how much he loved Katie Holmes? Oh yeah. Do you okay. remember that like that meme, that viral moment? Oh, he's yeah. like jumping up and down on the couch. He's like, I'm in love. I, don't yeah. I think he's been riding that high. <laughs> like I know they broke up shortly after that. <laughs> but I think the amount of yeah. energy from that moment has propelled him for the last fifteen years. And I don't know if it'll ever end. Yeah, here's what here's the real thing though. What if he's not? What if he's just a totally normal person? And then it's just whenever he's around people, he's like, I gotta be real high energy. And then he leaves, and he's like, goes into his bedroom or something. He's like, Oh gosh, he's like, I'm gonna, <laughs> and he just sits there and he's like, I'm so tired. 
It's like, I imagine it like you've seen Futurama. He's like an absolute introvert who has to like really recharge his battery in between his public appearances. You ever seen the the Futurama episode with the slurm, Worms McKenzie or something, the party worm? And he's like, I'm just so tired. So. <laughs> it's like, he's like the mascot that's always partying. And he's like, I just, I just want to lie down. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I do have a couple fun facts for this movie. <gasps> just need these fun facts, Cody. Number one, they used 8,400 gallons of Coca-Cola for the action scenes in Florence uh, because, are you ready? Give it to me. Because when I first read that, I was like, oh, is that what they use for the fake oil? That wouldn't make sense. You know, like, did the coal do, I couldn't remember if this one had the oil spill, you know, one of those scenes. Mm -hmm. They use it for gripping. So it's really good for action scenes if you need to make something really grippy for like a, you know, a landing or whatever. So for those scenes with the motorcycle where the motorcycle goes up the ramp and onto the next platform, they just were dumped a ton of Coca-Cola on the ground. Um, and it's twofold also because it is like a cleaning agent. So like, and once we clean it up, it looks all nice. <laughs> that is wild. I did not know that was like a Hollywood stunt trick. So that's fun. That is fun. By the way, can we talk about the stunts of this movie briefly? Because oh, I loved the car chase, the motorcycle chase. Like I thought they did a great job with those, those set pieces. Oh yeah, I I liked it a lot. I did, like, yeah, because I wouldn't even say this had the most stunts or the most like action scenes, but I feel like you know they saw with Spectre, everyone was like, it's just an action movie, it's not a Bond movie, and they were like, okay, so here's what we're gonna do: we'll take like the scale of the stunts and stuff in Spectre, but we'll just mm -hmm. scale, we'll make them more impactful because that'll make it more of a Bond yeah. movie. Exactly, and they did a great job because like even in the beginning, the the grave explodes, and he's like got to get back to this lady to figure out what happened. You know, it's like it's him racing and there's a weight behind it. You know, it's the same kind of thing later in the movie where it's like, oh, he's racing to try to save his daughter or, you know, try to escape the bad guy. And it just, I thought they used it well. So uh, another fun fact, this is the first movie with Q, Moneypenny, M, and Felix since Licensed to Kill in 1989. <gasps> they haven't all four been in the same movie since for almost... Uh, was that 30 years 31 years and they had to kill felix mm -hmm. bunch of nerds oh yeah. yeah another fun fact this is the first bond movie where they replaced the composer in post-production <gasps> so what? it was originally it was carrie uh joji Fukung, fukunaga i did it i did it only because i saw it it was the guy he uses for most of his movies and there were creative differences, which is weird if they've partnered on films before. Wait, anyway, and they swapped the, concepts. So it was the director. It was, was the, the original. It was the director's main dude. Oh, okay. The guy he usually uses for his projects. Gotcha. Because um, he's done... That's the other thing I was so excited for this movie for, because this guy directed Maniac and True Detective. And so I was just... I was all in. And also, I've been saying that it was his first feature film directing and i was actually wrong about that it's his first oh. blockbuster but he uh did direct beasts of no nation in 2015 <gasps> i liked that movie um, i didn't see it but i've heard i've heard so many good things about it it's on netflix yeah i need to I need to do that so i was trying to i forgot who his music person was but it's fine so I right, here's, the thing. here's what i'll say about that movie cody now that you've brought up beasts of no nation here's what moving did daniel Welcome craig in that one uh, or am I, I thinking of a different one where he's Daniel Craig's in Africa? Maybe I know Idris Elba's in that one. <laughs> right, you don't. Well, like, he plays Idi Amin, right? 
sure. Or is it That's... or is it an Edimine inspired character? I think what it's are we inspired. doing here? Oh, I just want to reiterate, I have not seen this film. Yeah. Don't spoil Is Daniel it. Craig in Blood Diamonds? Is that what I'm thinking of? Uh he might be in Blood Diamond. I'm just digging digging myself a hole here. All right. Yeah. What about Beast of No Nation? I would say Beast of No Nation was the first movie that came out kind of after I was like, I'm going to get into movies. Like I'm going to utilize all these streaming services and like the movie pass and all that. And I would say Beast of No Nation is the movie that's like, I would point to as the turning point of me going from whatever. I only watch like Star Wars and Transformers movies, big budget blockbuster movies and they're fun. And I don't care about movies that like make you feel. And then Mm. I watched that one and I was like, Oh, this is like a whole new thing. And then I started watching more indie movies after that. Wow. So, All right. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. <clears throat> oh, yeah. It's a goodie. It's, it'll make you feel things. Uh, I just saw on IMDb user polls. Yeah. And one of them is just called Celebrities Named Daniel. And I am... Why is that a poll? Okay, I don't know, but I need I'm you so to click confused. on it and see if you can see the. Uh... I will tell you the thumbnail is Daniel Day Lewis, so spoiler uh, for that one. Well, he okay, thinks hold he's on. The, he hold thinks he's on. the number one Daniel. The poll is called celebrities named Daniel, and then it says make your choice, and there's just a list of a bunch of Daniels, and I don't know what choice I'm making. What am I voting? Like, what does it mean? Oh, here's what it is. I found it. Okay. Who is your favorite? famous celebrity named daniel so let me tell you just tell me what your vote is i'm gonna keep reading it's a long list so when you hear the name just shout it out okay okay daniel day lewis daniel craig daniel radcliffe danny devito daniel kaluuya jason sudeikis i did not know jason is his middle name (laughs) his full name (laughs) is daniel jason sudeikis that blows my mind dan levy daniel brule danny huston Danny Glover, Taylor Lautner, who is a little switcher. His middle name is Daniel. So oh. <laughs> get him off the Jeff, list. No, Jeff Daniels. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. <laughs> okay. No Danny Boyle, Dan Brown. He's who a writer. Is the author of Da Vinci Code, <laughs> He's right? An All right. Author. He's a famous celebrity. Okay. Okay. Daniel Bernhardt, Danny Elfman. Anthony Daniels, once again, does not count. Danny, look, you didn't hear your Daniel because we're, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. You didn't hear? You well, I, mean, I, was, well, I was waiting to see if someone else popped up, but I mean, like, of all those ones, which one's my favorite celebrity? Who's your favorite I mean, famous celebrity? I mean, Daniel Craig is probably the, the, the real pick there, right? Let me just I, read you the top five one more time. Daniel Day-Lewis, Daniel Craig, Daniel Radcliffe, Danny DeVito, Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, Dan, I'll go with Daniel Craig. Because here's the thing. All right, we're, we're voting Daniel Craig. Daniel Radcliffe's a cool guy, but so is Daniel Craig. All right, there's 311 votes. Daniel J. Lewis has 91. Danny DeVito has 41. Daniel Craig has 36. So there you go. Here's the thing. Daniel Day Lewis is not as famous as he thinks he is. <laughs> I don't think Daniel Day Lewis logged in 90 times to vote for himself. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> Are you, do you deny that that might have happened? <laughs> you're telling me in between intense character acting roles he's on the imdb polls just trying to 
increases legitimacy. All right, let me hit you with this. Are you trying to say that you don't think Daniel Day-Lewis can do 93 individual characters? <laughs> uh, is that why it takes so much time between his movies? Yeah. He's just coming up with characters for his IMDb user pool. Here's the thing. I imagine... Uh, since we'll talk about let's see the top three here the top three biggest celebrities i'd say probably are daniel day lewis who's not a big celebrity but whatever daniel craig and daniel radcliffe daniel radcliffe and daniel craig i'd hang out with them if someone's like you can have an afternoon with daniel day lewis i would say how much do i have to pay to not spend an afternoon with daniel day lewis can i give you a thousand dollars to never speak to this man in person now let's fa- let's hard cut to uh, ten years from now when we're a famous review site and he's doing his what eightieth final movie ever before he retires, mm-hmm. and we have to go interview him and then he asks me, so I guess you couldn't scrape together a thousand dollars. That's what I'm that's what I'm envisioning <laughs> right now. That's what I'm envisioning, and I'll be like, oh gosh, this oh, man. Oh man. So Daniel Day-Lewis, as you're listening to this in preparation for our interview for you in 2031 for your uh, new movie that you once again will definitely be saying, this is my final movie, I'm retiring after this. Uh, Here's what I'll say to you, and here's what I'll say to you in the interview. You're not going to retire, so what's your next movie? That's my first question, all right? What's your next movie going to be? Because you're definitely not going to retire because you're a coward, Daniel. You're You're the most cowardly Daniel of all the Daniels on that list. Even more than Anthony Daniels, and he's not even a real Daniel. (laughs) Oh, wow. I mean, strong words. Strong words. Big time. I've called out Daniel Day-Lewis, and I feel like that's going to really get in the way of us being taken seriously by the Academy, because they love Daniel Mm. Day-Lewis, and I just want to know, what do you have on them, Daniel? What do you have on these people? (laughs) Wow, that was quite the takedown of uh, GDL. All right, I have I do have one more fun fact. Okay, before so you get there into were that, several. Cody, oh, I did like Lincoln, yeah. and that Daniel Day Lewis was lovely in that movie. All right, going on, move on. Here's the thing: I didn't like Lincoln. <laughs> How dare you? And it's one of the movies that is like, like not that it was a bad movie, but I was like, this is if. Here's what it was: it felt like a watered down movie, where I was like, if this was like an R-rated war drama, civil war drama, with starring Daniel Day Lewis as Lincoln, I would I might have loved it. Um, but it was one of those movies for me where I was like, is Steven Spielberg a great director? And we know that he is. But it was one of those movies where I was like, this doesn't have the heart and soul that Jaws did. You know, like it wasn't it wasn't the contender the way that Jaws was in my for me. Here's That's a, what I'm saying. I'll tell you what the real problem was, Cody. Steven right. Spielberg said, I want to make a movie about Lincoln. I'm going to pick a book to base it on. And instead of picking like, I don't know, any other book in the world... <laughs> He's like, I'm going to pick this one. The super the one. thick, like, socio-political analyzation. The one that's, like, really specifically about how he got the votes in Congress to... Yeah, the one that's, like, really boring passed. about the politics and how he brought together a divided, like, Congress in after that to do the war and all that. It's like, look, man, <laughs> this is not a book that was ever intended to have, like, a movie based on it. This is, like... History nerds. History nerds. Game, Game of Thrones for history nerds. Yes. Okay. Here's what I will say. We need a new Lincoln movie. And hey, oh, if Daniel Day-Lewis wants to re- unretire, you know, to do it, that's fine. I want a Lincoln 
takedown piece, okay? Here's what I know about Lincoln. He was arguably the first person ever to commit insurance fraud. Yes. Okay? Um, He did illegal things as president. Like, for example, you can't just emancipate all the slaves. That's not in your rights in the Constitution. Number three, your wife was crazy. Okay, so I need a takedown of Lincoln. Okay. okay. I need someone okay. to go in let's, and anti-Lincoln. Let's it for a second. Maybe it's a Confederate <laughs> perspective. I need a takedown. Let's right? rewind it for a second. Rather okay. than take down his emancipation of the slaves, okay, uh-huh. let's, let's, let's bypass that. Because he did other illegal things as president, like suspending several rights and things like that. So let's look mm-hmm. at that. Let's, let's avoid that whole... Let's avoid. Let's all. Let's only ever p- put that up as a no, good thing to. I want the done. main thesis of the movie to be he shouldn't have emancipated the slaves. Okay, all right, you know what? what you're right. And while we're at it, let's take down West Virginia, which is an unconstitutional state and shouldn't exist. It that's should what be I want. I want a movie, a movie to slide into here, and it it needs to take down Lincoln. Okay, that's what I'm saying. I need we need the other perspective. Okay, here's the he's thing. not the second best president of all time. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. We'll never know. Cody. Okay. Because they'll never fund it. Now let me give you my... <laughs> oh, they'll fund it. I'll tell you who will fund it. I know exactly who will fund it. Okay. <laughs> I, uh... The eight I'm going ben- to get Ben Shapiro on the phone. Yeah. Okay. Gina right. Carano is going to be play Abe Lincoln. If we can't get Day-Lewis, it's going to be Gina Carano. And uh, we'll get this thing made. Don't you worry about that. Okay. I, I know plenty of people who are going to make a <laughs> And you're telling me I couldn't bamboozle Ben Shapiro into funding a movie that's like, <laughs> like I'd be like, no, we're going against the grain of Hollywood, but really it's just like a really tasteless takedown piece. And I could do it. I could do it is what I'm saying. Yeah. You do it okay. with a stage name and or like a pen name and then put Ben Shapiro's yeah. Lincoln. Or that's know. what I'd do. All right. Here's my final fun fact for this movie. So... Originally, it was going to be Danny Boyle as the director. And oh. about three months before principal photography, Dan- Danny Boyle, you may know from 127 Hours and Slumdog Millionaire. Okay? Well known director. Yeah. Academy Award winner, train spotting, all the good stuff. Okay. Yesterday, which people didn't like, but I kind of liked. So, three months before shooting, Carrie Joji Fukunaga came in to do it. They. Um, had several other directors considered for replacement. Okay, so here's the shortlist rumored to direct the movie. The problem is three of them I've never heard of. But oh. there's three of them that you and I know very well. So the ones I've never heard of, Jean-Marc Vallée, who did oh. uh, Dallas Buyers Club. So Academy Award winner. There is Jan Demange, who directed episodes of Lovecraft Country. And Edward Berger, who has done nothing I've heard of. Okay, so those are the three we haven't heard of. The three we have heard of are uh, David McKenzie, who has done uh, some of my very favorite movies, actually. I'm going to pull up his thing right here. So David McKenzie, who did Hell or High Water. (laughs) He did Outlaw King. Uh, And then there was one other one he did that was really good. I forget. He did uh, Hell or High Water, which is one of my favorites. Okay. Is, it, is that the one with Daniel Dewey? No. <laughs> is that there will, there will Be Blood? Is that what I'm thinking of? That's what you're thinking. Hell or High Water is the one we did with uh, for Cody's Corner with 
the old cowboy guy and then the young cowboy guys and it's modern day Texas and the Robin Banks. Yeah, I gotcha, I gotcha. Chris Pine. Yeah. Chris Pine's in it, Jeff Bridges. That nailed it. Yeah. Chris Pine, Jeff Bridges. It's great. It's one of my favorite westerns of all time. Okay. Deal with it. Denis Villeneuve <gasps> was on the short list. And finally, Edgar Wright. Shaun of the Dead. God I mean, Pilgrim vs. the World. I mean, I know who Edgar At World's End. I don't know if I would hand Bond to Some Denis, of Ant-Man. Denis Villeneuve or Edgar Wright. Well, it's just interesting. They're doing, they pick so many directors that are like, yeah, now this, uh, uh, this French guy, this guy from Germany, this guy from, you know, like it is quite an interesting mix of like international. And some directors that really don't have that many well-known titles, which, which I'm fine with. Um, but it's just interesting they've gone, you know, to go from like Danny Boyle this guy who's done multiple Academy Award winning movies to like, how about this guy no one's ever heard of? Yeah. He did a great job. He did a good job. He did a great job. I'm glad he did a great job. This movie didn't get the best reviews, though. Yeah, um, but I mean, it's better reviewed like, than some of the others. I haven't seen it since opening weekend. So let's see how it do. It's sitting pretty. At an 84 tomato meter, 88 audience score. Good reviews. Good enough for a blockbuster. It's still not the highest rated Bond movie. Cause Very low meta I think Casino Royale is a Casino It's like Casino Royale, then Skyfall, then everything else. Except yeah. I think there's some high rated, because like, I think some of the old Sean Connery ones, like Dr. No or whatever, are like, no, it's a perfect movie. Like on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. which still makes me mad. Like it makes me mad that people see that and they're like, no, it's so much better than this garbage that Daniel Craig's doing. And, you know, just like that. Oh, makes my skin boil. Oh, yeah. So where would you where would you rate this one in all of the twenty five? Right. Where would you rank it? It's hard because Casino Royale is so excellent. It's so good, and I still think Casino Royale is my favorite. This is in the running for my second favorite Bond movie, to be honest. And maybe it's just because I haven't seen a Bond movie in a long time. But like, I liked so much about what it did. It did do some things not as well. And, like, Skyfall's a great movie, um, but I still might say it's, like, Casino Royale, No Time to Die, Skyfall, Spectre, Quantum of Solace. Like, if we're ranking the Bond one, the Daniel Craig ones, that's where I'm at. And as you know, I think all other <laughs> James Bonds aren't as good as Daniel Craig. So those are my top Bond movies <laughs> in that order. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely... so. If I think about it right now, I would also put Casino Royale still probably number one, and this one is number two. Um, but I would be willing to bet that if I sat down and watched Casino Royale right now, after mm -hmm. just having watched No Time to Die, I'd probably end up going with this one. Really? Why is, yeah. Why is that? Just because I bet this one... If they're put next to each other, probably shines more. And it's more like the, oh, that one was so good. Whereas this one's probably better, you know? You know what I'm saying? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You know what I mean? Casino Royale really had the benefit of it came after Pierce Brosnan's, like, not very good one. Like, yeah, everyone's least favorite Pierce Brosnan one, I think, was his last one. And so I was like, that was what we knew Bond as. And we were like, it's kind of stuck in this weird 90s action movie rut. And then they dropped Casino Royale. I was like, oh, this is a whole new beast. Like, it really did make it look... Great. You know, if it came after like GoldenEye or one of those, you'd be like, oh, maybe not. But yeah, it was, there was a lot that it did right. Yeah. And it, it is interesting though, because Casino Royale and No Time to Die are both very much like breaking the mold of Bond. 
as much as Casino Royale did fill the mold, the last 30 minutes of Casino Royale is very different where it's like, okay, now we're just here with his girlfriend and what are they up to? Isn't this fun? You know, like that's, that's the end of Casino Royale and this one's kind of the same way where it's like, let's, let's just go take a five-year diversion and see what Bond's up to now that he's retired, you know? Yeah. You know what? I, uh, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking my way through all of Casino Royale. You know me, how I do. Yeah. And I'm thinking through each of the scenes and all, how the movie flows and everything. And I think this is a better movie, but I feel like Casino Royale was more like Casino Royale is the thing that opened the door to like good spy movies, you know, and showed people like, yeah, you can make a spy movie where nobody says uh, super offensive stuff. I'm sure they still say offensive stuff in Casino Royale, but where it's like you don't need all that offensive stuff and you don't need like all this campy stuff. You can have it be as cool as you as like the people that made the old spy movies thought those were, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that that is the cool thing about Casino Royale. It's a pretty simple premise too. It's just like, hey, there's like this card tournament we need you in because there's this bad dude we're trying to bust in it. Yeah. And that is the plot of the movie, and and it leans itself to all the suaveness of James Bond because like, oh, super high end Monte Carlo. Uh, poker tournament also you're a spy you know like it it so it does all that well so let me let me break it down for you tomato meter so critic score top bond movies t to b not top i'm not gonna go all the way to the bottom list because they get bad but let's do the first few number one at 99 percent is goldfinger which has the worst theme song we all know that goldfinger so that is your best your best like if it dropped today Next to this movie, no critic is going to say, no, that was better. It's just, it's, I think it's all nostalgia. Anyway. Yeah. And that was the third Bond movie, Goldfinger. Next is the second Bond movie, From Russia with Love, with 95%. Dr. No, the first Bond movie, with 95%. Uh, then Casino Royale is 94%. Skyfall is 92%. Thunderball, with the, with the underwater scuba fight scene, is 87%. Thunderball is No Time to Die is then... 84%. So this is... Yeah. So of the new movies, this is ranked just below. I mean, pretty far below. Scott, you go from 94, Casino Royale, 92, Skyfall, 84, No Time to Die. So yeah. you got Spy Love Me, Her Majesty's Secret Service, Goldeneye, License to Kill, The Living Daylight. See, Timothy Dalton's better than people get credit for. It. And then it just kind of drops off from there because now we're in the low 70s. A few to kill. <laughs> so now, the worst one is Casino Royale, which I don't agree with. Second worst is A View to a Kill. Third worst is The Man with the Golden Gun. Well, so, you know, see, the, Roger Moore. That Casino Royale's is the, the old goofy one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it doesn't count. Like, you can't just, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, Roger Moore is really scraping the bottle of the barrel. Oh, and then uh, Pierce Brosnan, The World is Not Enough. That one's at 52%. So, oh, Pierce Brosnan, here's what's sad. Die Another Day is 56%. Tomorrow Never Dies is 56%. World is Unknown is 52%. So he only, like Pierce Brosnan, for as good as he was, he only had one good Bond movie, which was Goldeneye. Yeah. Isn't that well, sad? He, yeah, it was just, it was unfortunate because his tenure as Bond hit, like, at the height of the cheesy 90s and 90s yeah. action movies. But it was, like, then, the height of them being bad. <laughs> And then yeah. everybody being like, this is a bad idea. And they were like, no, this is the best idea. It's also sad, too, because Quantum of Solace and Spectre, as much as they're more action movies than they are, like, 
Bond spy thrillers. Rewatching them, I really once I knew what the genre was, I really did enjoy them. And they're sitting towards the middle bottom with like Moonraker, which like in that they range. do not deserve. But right, if you kind of think about them as when they came out, like don't get me wrong, I have checked with because my dad has liked Bond movies since they started because he was twelve when Doctor No came out mm-hmm. and saw it in theaters. So, like he's seen them and he's like. Bond movies were never good. Because I asked him how, like, back when Casino Royale came out, you know, like, how all that was. He's like, they've never been good. They were always, you went to the Bond movie because it was a bad spy movie. And he would say something, like, he would say pretty much everything wrong to a girl. Like, was it like the first five Fast and Furious, or first four Fast and Furious movies? Yeah. Where it was like, it was kind of just like this cheesy popcorn thing yeah. for people that's what they were and, and even they, the newer ones are kind of that way too but like they have the budget behind it and they've got the fun behind them yeah but like that's what they were they weren't good movie no one who was like i love film and went to go see those it was like all so of the my dads question is, liked them because how does know. it have a 99 percent on the t- like shouldn't it just it's an okay goldfinger the best one is an 89 audience score yeah so the audience score is fine if 89% of people who saw it enjoyed it for what it was. But then why is the critic score 99%? Like, that's what I don't get. Well, it is also, so another thing against that was the movies were, at the time, you know, they were like the big budget movies. You know, like, mm-hmm. they didn't have a lot to compete against in that genre. You know, it wasn't like now where... No Time to Die has a million other big budget action movies that can just bury it. It was like nothing beats James Bond. It was like if you were releasing the same weekend as James Bond, you moved to release date kind of thing. Right. So I think that does a lot to it because like they all like the effects and stuff that today we're all like that looks bad. At the time looked awesome. Unlike yeah, like the opposite of that would be like the the Dune movie that came out in the eighties which mm-hmm. I've confirmed with multiple sources, looked bad at the time. Yeah. So it wasn't technically impressive at the time. It looked bad. But the Bond movies always looked good at the time. Okay. Let me let me give you some reviews. Okay. These are the quips from the Tomato Meter reviews. Yeah. So these are some of the 99% of critics that loved it. Okay? Yeah. Give it to me. And these are people that have reviewed it in the last 10 to 15 years, okay? Yeah. It's phenomenal. Perfection. There's not the least sign of staleness in this third staple of the Bond 007 formula. It's the easy choice, the obvious choice, the safe choice. It's also the best choice, a no-brainer. What? I don't know. Goldfinger what? allows nothing to impede its sense of humor. It converts Bond to a human equivalent of the cat in Tom and Jerry cartoons with the same ghastly resilience and the same capacity for absorbing punishment. What? No. These are the top critics too. Okay. These, These aren't, aren't just old people either from what the pictures I'm looking at. <laughs> so I just Okay, so the I want, here's what I want to do. That's I want to be... find the one guy who didn't like it. That's what I'm gonna do. And then we're gonna make friends with him. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna be like I bet you let's can can you can you like look at see who so sixty nine critics, nice. Okay, I found him. Okay, give it to me. New York Times, 
Bosley Crowther. Good. What they gave us in Goldfinger is an excess of science fiction fun, a mess of mechanical melodrama, and a minimum of bedroom farce. So he's kind of just railing on the Bond formula there, but that's yeah. what he said. It's also that's an his old quip, guy. at least. So here's what I would yeah. like. Here's what you know, because like, what specifically is? Here's what I'll ask you, Cody. What specific mm-hmm. is your problem with Goldfinger? What makes it not a good movie? Um, it's just <laughs> it's cheesy, and the dialogue is bad, and um. The lighting is not at all interesting. The action the is, is not interesting. Okay. Not, you know, like there's just, it just feels like they threw a guy on a brightly lit set and we're like, all right, you can go drink some drinks and play some poker and hook up with that lady who I don't know why she wants to hook up with you, but she's doing it. Yeah. That's what we're doing, you know? That's the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing specific there, here's, though, Cody. But what here's what's weird about because Ron Tomita has only been around for so long. So these are all reviews from like 2000 on. So I do wonder, like, if you gathered all the reviews at the time and did it, which why isn't Ron Tomita doing that? At least for like the classic movies. Yeah. What, I don't know how why. would that change it? You know? Yeah. Here's what here's, we need to do. We well, keep talking about getting on Ron yeah. Tomatoes. We need to burn it to the ground. Okay. We need to make her. <laughs> well, that's we got to get on it to burn it to the ground. That's what I'm saying. Right. So yeah, that's I, uh, so that's that. I would really like to know time to die. I would. I want to point out another thing here too. Okay, so tell me. Um, with the oh gosh, I was on Rotten Tomatoes, not this other one. Um, oh no, it's all falling apart on me, Cody. So the Goldfinger, which is the highest rated, right, has yeah, uh, is sixty nine reviews. Oh no, the thing fell against my water bottle. Just ignore that. Just ignore that that bong sound that nobody heard until I pointed it out and then everybody heard it, okay? Uh-huh. So 69 people reviewed that. For reference, Skyfall has 384 reviews and No Time to Die, mm. these are critic reviews, has 374 yeah. reviews. Gotcha. So I think part of it is those old Bond movies benefit a lot from the only Nostalgia. people... Well, it's the only people going back are people who are like... If you're a critic, right? If like you're writing an article for the New York Times in 2000 or yeah. like 2006, you're not just going back and writing an article about Goldfinger, a review of Goldfinger for no mm-hmm. reason. You're writing like an article about Bond that you reference Goldfinger in. Yeah. So okay. I think a lot of these are articles about James Bond and they just like like James Bond and reference the movie. As saying, like, this is a great movie. When, like, if someone were to ask me, they're like, oh, how do you like the Bonds? And I would go through, and I might say, if you look at the list of what is fresh and what is not, right? It would probably go along where I'd be like, oh, yes, these ones are fun, and these ones suck, and this one's good. And Dr. No can, is pretty fun. It's the first one. It's worth a watch, you know? Which Rotten Tomatoes then takes me like, cool, so you loved it, you know? Right. Say with Goldfinger and Thunderball. Like I know Thunderball is my dad's favorite, and I'd be like, "Casino Royale, yeah, yeah, no, don't watch that one." Honor, Majesty, Service. You know, you and I both say, "Yeah, watch that." George Lazenby is a treat, you know. So yeah. I mean, it goes along with if they took all of our reviews of all these movies, we would just add exactly like we wouldn't change these numbers at all. Is what I'm saying. Mm. I hear you. 
Never say never is. Uh, I'm just. Not I'm wrong looking through these movies yeah. and like. I feel like I could recommend ten of the twenty-five. You know. Yeah, but I mean, how many like, are like certified? Watch fresh? the Daniel Craig one. Watch Goldeneye. Watch Living Daylights and License to Kill. Watch the George Lazenby one. I mean, so, yeah. What? Do you the, know? I don't know. Just if 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 I'm telling you like which ones I would like rewatch, there's maybe like eight. And okay. five of them are Daniel Craig ones, you know? Yeah. So here's my thing that I'll say to you. There is 11 certified fresh James Bond movies. So mm-hmm. I'm saying is their list of like the the ones that's like, yep, you should watch this, is not that far off of your list. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's part of the issue there. You know what's interesting too? If you sort it by audience score, Casino Royale is the highest. Then it's Goldfinger, then No Time to Die, then Skyfall, then From Russia with Love, Goldeneye, Doctor Knows, Buy a Lovely Thunderball, then you get those fun ones. And Spectre and Quantum Solace are like kind of closer in the, in the middle. I liked Quantum Solace, personally. Me too. It's a good movie. They, uh, they redid the, the Goldfinger thing of having a girl drown in a weird thing, but they didn't be like, she's skin suffocated. It's like, that's not a real thing. And that wasn't a real oh, thing at the man. time. It's not a thing that anybody ever got fooled by. But here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Is that is that it? I love this movie. I think I think you should watch it. I think people should watch this one. It's yeah. I think it's the second best Bond movie. How um, would you rate its opening? Would you put it in the same spot? It's opening? Yeah. Um I would say it's hard. Cause that's big, you know. I don't know. It's been it's been a while since I've seen all the openings, but I would say it's a top five opening. Yeah, I put it. Up I would there. say it's a very good one. No shadow. I really enjoyed the opening. I did. Thinking about it, I thought it was like a great. And then even thinking about it after the movie, I'm like, oh, I did the thing where it's like all these hints and clues made me think about the movie and the themes of the movie, and it got me into the mood for what was to come, you know. So I'd say it's the top fiver. It's a good one. Yeah. I put it. Probably second or right alongside Casino Royale's opening. The Casino Royale's yeah. they really went all out on it. I think because yeah. like, it's coming back and we got to blow everybody away. And I right. like that shows. Man, I, I really, I really did like this one. I think it's a good one. It's the only downfall of the Daniel Craig ones is that like they've kind of chosen to do a narrative where it's like the movies do, you know, for the most part, not with. Quantum of Solace, but with the rest, they all tie into each other in some way, you know? So it's kind of like, if you haven't seen Casino Royale, there's like a lot in No Time to Die doesn't, you know, like, oh, why doesn't he trust women the same? And it's like, well, that kind of goes back to Casino Royale, which I don't mind. It's just, it's not a one-off. You kind of, it, you really benefit if you've seen Casino Royale, Spectre, uh, Skyfall, Spectre, and this, you know? If, if you kind of know the theme, uh, what happened in each one, yeah. you could definitely see it without, but I just think it's strengthened by that. So something to think about. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I do like how when they first made him Bond, he was like, oh, it's young Bond. And now they saw, so you, it, these are better to watch than the all the other ones put together, basically, because you get to see him go from young Bond, where you literally watch him get his double O status, to his death and him passing on the double O seven to somebody new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I was talking to someone. I think maybe it was Kalen, but he was like, "Yeah, I haven't seen Spectre," and I was like, 
it's hard because you kind of do have to see Spectre because Madeline's in it, you know? So it's like, if you haven't seen Spectre, then you don't know who Madeline is and you don't know, you know? So, yeah. It's a good one. What would you grade it, though? You know, we started doing these. You started it. You led us down this road. Do you want me to give this guy a letter grade? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, letter grade. I see the Rotten Tomatoes original, like, one through five. Here's the thing. Is it perfect? No. Is it amazing? Yes, A. I would give it, not an A+, plus, but I'd give it an A. I loved it. I, I agree. I'll give it, I, I agree. It's an A. It's a good It's an A movie. It's one that I don't regret sp- paying $20 to rent it to watch that's, at home. That's a pretty high compliment. Yeah. Because there's a, a pretty wide margin of error there. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So that's it. Watch No Time to Die. Watch all the Daniel Craig. You know, if you're going to do what we did, which don't. If you're going to watch all 25 Bond movies, number one, don't do it. Number two, just watch the Daniel Craig ones. You have a better time. You know? I think if you're really be- feeling, if you're really jonesing, go back to Goldeneye. If you're really jonesing, you could see a couple of the originals for the campiness. But it's just, you're not seeing as good quality. Like, you're not seeing a great action spy thriller movie, you know? But you get that yeah. with the Daniel Craig ones, I feel. I feel like you could go through and watch all the certified fresh ones on the Rotten Tomatoes. Here's what I would do, though. I'd watch, like, Dr. No and then watch, like, the underwater scene of Thunderball and then uh, move on from there. Because you yeah, don't really yeah. need to watch four movies. With <laughs> You don't need to watch all of Sean Connery's Bond movies. They're not you as don't. good as your grandpa thinks they are. Yeah. And, well... I'm, thank you so much for listening. It is a classic. It's a good one. You can share and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. You can also engage with us on social media at Opinion Havers, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're here. Our ears are open. Our arms are open. Our legs are closed. Speak for yourself. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Speak for yourself. And until next time, watch movies. And have opinions. Bro, your legs are open? You know, if it gets us more engagement, sure. (laughs) 